Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Leanne Swatsky, a screenwriter and one of the creators of the animated show Witchfart. Dog is set in Newfoundland and tells the story of boxer Tommy Little Dog Ross, an unlikely hero in a unique world. As CBC, the show's broadcaster, puts it, Little Dog is far more evocative of the Coen brothers than anything you'll see in a Newfoundland tourism ad. Sherry White is the showrunner of Little Dog, as well as being a screenwriter with many credits to her name, including the hit feature film, Maudie. My conversation with Sherry is followed by an audience Q&A. I hope you enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here because I'm such a fan of you and of your show. It's such a cool show. If And I'm sure most of you have seen Little Dog on CBC. Season one has already aired, but and season two is coming January. January 17th at 9.30. There you go. And yeah, it's a, so I thought for what we would do is uh, I'm going to, you know, talk to Sherry a bit about how the show came to be and, and your own story of how you became a showrunner. And then we'll screen the episode. We're watching episode two. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk a bit more about the, the craft and process of showrunning and writing a show. And then we'll open it up to questions and answers from you guys. So, yeah, so I think like a lot of people, you know, with writers get really interested in, you know, how did you get your your start? How did you become a writer, a TV film writer? Um, Well, I started out as, is this on? Am I making sense? Yeah. Um, I started out as an actor in Newfoundland years ago. And then so in Newfoundland, you know, it's a very small but very um, supportive community. And uh, everybody there, you know, writes and produces and directs their own thing. That's how you get jobs. You can't go out really for auditions much. And uh, certainly back then, 20 years ago, um, before Republic of Doyle or anything, um, so I did, I did that and I started writing for myself as an actor and I think I just rathered that I could work in my pajamas and I didn't have to worry about, yeah. you know, what I look like so much. Um, and I was better at it, truthfully, I think, uh, as a writer. So that's kind of how I started. And the, the first thing that I think I got paid for was actually myself and Adriana wrote a, a pilot called um, the first TV thing I got paid for it was Rabbit Town. We wrote a pilot and CBC produced it. It was like 2000 and I have no idea. I'm looking for somebody who might know, but 2005. So, um, and we loved that. And it was like one half hour and then that was it. So then I kind of started to to work in TV from there. Okay, right. So that's, um, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to get that you know, that experience of doing all of those, wearing all of those hats, mm-hmm. especially to be, I think, a good writer and to get to see all of these facets of how it, how it comes together. And um, so uh, how did, so I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about how, how Little Dog came to be, like from the inception. I'm sure this is a long story and there'll be a lot of, you know, separate questions to that, but how uh, from inception to, to Greenlight, like how the steps of developing the show, and then how did you, um, you know, bring it to CBC? If you could just talk a little bit about the process. Right. So this show was created by Joel Thomas Hines, who I happened to drag along with me, and he's in the audience today. Um, <laughs> so Joel and I, and you probably, maybe anybody who's read anything about this might know some of this, but um, Joel and I have a kid together. We've been working together for 20 years, and... Um, uh, he's a novelist. He wrote a, um, the Governor General's award-winning book last year. Does, you know, he mostly he kind of does everything, um, but he hasn't really worked in TV as a writer that much. So, um, but I knew his his acting is very specific, and he's he's a very unique actor. And so we were always talking. I I just knew he needed a vehicle for himself, and this was an idea that he had. And so I just worked with him from the beginning in terms of kind of just giving him feedback and everything. And then once he had a script written, we went to. CBC, we got it into development, and then we teamed up with Cameron Pictures, which was a new company at the time, and um, and I, of course, was working with Tassie for years, so I just felt like it was a good fit. Right, right. and did you, because I'd read somewhere that originally the idea was conceived of as a one-hour drama, and that you... Uh, you felt that it would make a better half hour. And I mean, it's a great half hour series because it's this really raw drama and this really darkly funny comedy at the same time. And I really want to get into tone and stuff later, maybe after we've screened the episode. But um, but I just, that makes so much sense for this show. And I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit to how you 
arrived at that feeling or what, you know, when you heard the first heard the idea and it was a one hour drama, like how did that come to be? Well, I just think, and I didn't, I don't even, I don't know, I don't even know that I knew this as much then when I suggested it, but uh, half hours are just a dream if you're wanting to write character. One hours are great, but you have to have so much story and so much plot to tell, you know, to tell that much story, to, to have that, you know, 44 minutes or one hour or whatever. Um, and I just felt like, you know, it's hard to, you have to kind of, have high stakes to have that much story. And whereas a half hour, you can just kind of tell little character st stories and not right. really worry about making it a serious, right? you know, a serious boxing. I mean, it works for a movie. Right. Um, I just went to see Creed too. Okay. But, <laughs> but um, I just felt like we could have more fun with it if it yeah. was half hour. Yeah, I know that makes so much sense. It's, it's a character study and, and it's so intensely, uh, you know, such an intense sort of personality and character that you get to see on screen and, it, and it's condensed right into this really uh, perfect format, I think. So um, then, okay, so you went to CBC and they loved it right away as is and said, let's, let's go into development or what happened, what happened next? Yeah, they did. I mean, again, Joel had written a spec at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, so we went in with a script. So they had a very strong idea of, you know, what it, what it was uh, tonally even from the first draft. And uh, yeah, they, they put it in development. I mean, the development then working with CBC has just been amazing, like just that's fully great. on board of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you can really feel that the show um, has not been, how do I say that, like tinkered with too much mm -hmm. in that way of like diluted voices. It mm -hmm. just feels so strong. Um, did, uh, so, okay, so you went into development. Did you write more scripts before? Um, so did you assemble your writer's room then? And no. No, Joel wrote the first three scripts. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. great. Um, so did you shoot the pilot? And then, no, how did, so what happened next in the story? Yeah, so then they ordered guessing. seven episodes. No, then they ordered eight episodes, and then they called us and said it was actually going to be seven, <laughs> which was fine, because we only wanted six. Oh, so, um, <laughs> just, yeah, and then, then we put together a writing room, which I actually, um, it, this is, it's a very interesting because it was, I, it was my first time, you know, show running a show by myself and I wasn't in the writing room, um, which was very weird. Like Why I weren't you in the writing room. What was, cause I was on 10 days in the Valley in LA. Ah, okay. And so I was weighing in on the, on, you know, on, on the phone okay. and, uh, Joel was working with, uh, Chris Roberts and Carrie McDonald and Corey Bowles. And Lisa Rose Snow. And were those writers that you had already had relationships with that you knew you wanted for this series? Or how did you go about putting your your, your dream team together? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd worked with Chris Roberts. Um, uh, uh, I'd just come off of a couple of different shows with him and really, really knew I could rely on him. He's just a great idea guy and a really great person. I'd worked with... Uh, Joel hadn't worked with him before. Joel knew Carrie McDonald and... Um, yeah, so it was a little bit of it, it was a little bit of a you know not not the ideal way because it would have been better for me to be there a little bit, but it actually worked out all right, I think. Well, right? it's, it, <laughs> it worked. I mean, I think it worked out great. Yeah. but um, I wasn't there, but I I've also it sort of seems like um, maybe with a show like this that has such a strong uh, character off the top and such a strong voice off the top. Did you feel it was a different sort of development process because you you guys already sort of knew? Well, that's exactly it. And we just knew we needed to get the, all the scripts because Joel, you know, Joel's voice was very important in the show. And um, so we needed to get all the scripts out so that he could have do passes of the scripts and that I could, you know, so we, Joel and I did a lot of the rewriting. I think Adriana Maggs came on after and did some of the rewriting with us. Um, and again, Adriana and myself and Joel have worked together for 20 years, so it was very good for us, easy for us to work and, and sort of write in each other's voice a little bit. So, um, yeah, that sounds like an ideal situation. I mean, yeah. you're not spending a lot of time trying to figure out, well, what is the show now that now that we got, mm -hmm. you know, now that we're in development or now that we have money to write these scripts, like what what is it? Sometimes there's a bit of a struggle to figure exactly the tone or or sort of really nail down what what it is you want to do. But it feels like this show was almost feels like it was alive and mm -hmm. then you, you know, could have corralled it into, into submission, into a, you know, into a TV series. Um, did, uh, I was going to ask something else about the writer's room. Um, 
so yeah, so you had familiar sort of relationships and you worked together and you wrote, uh, you guys did seven scripts and yeah, this was going to say the tone is really, um, the tone is great in the show because it, it really does manage to, it's so exciting and, and surprising and fun to watch because it, it does these tonal shifts from really darkly hilarious to actually quite, you know, sort of serious. And there's a lot of like pathos. And um, I'm just wondering in terms of the writing process, how, because it's sort of that thing where you watch it and you say, oh yeah, that's obvious that it would work like that. But when you're writing the scripts, how, can you speak a bit to how you kind of internalized that or how you um, came up with the story, how you wrote the scripts and kept that sort of commitment up to the tone being both dark and funny and also dramatic? I mean, I think it, it. I think it's just mostly it was you know Joel's natural tendency. Um, he has a fairly dark sense of humor, and um, and I think one of the things that I really wanted was to take the emotions of the characters seriously. Um, so, so then that 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 I wanted to linger on the the, the emotional moments in there as well, and and to not kind of skip over that and not worry about it being you know, joke driven. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, I, I, I'm, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that everyone has seen the show, but, you know, it is it is a, a sort of comeback story, an underdog story, but a, a boxer um, in, in Newfoundland. And, and it's, you know, as much as it's a comeback story, it's also, he's got so much to work, struggle against. I mean, there's this highly dysfunctional family that's kind of making that struggle even harder. And then, of course, his own demons. And I think his the struggle with his own demons is so interesting. And so you're saying you, you know, you, you above all wanted to honor that character's actual journey. Mm -hmm. Right. And then so, but then funny things just like in life, just, so how did you, um, did you all, uh, I was going to ask something else for the writing room. So did you, uh, break the stories all together, the writers, or did you, did you, and I mean, there's obviously an arc and I won't give anything away because I've seen the whole season, but did you um, work out all the arc together as a as a room, or did you just have a really strong idea going in? I mean, like the first three scripts were written before the show was ordered, so you know it was on the it was on its way. But uh, I think at that point there wasn't really um, an um, an arc fully. You know, Joel knew where it was going. Right. Um, you know, it and it's the first season is sort of it's a classic. Um, um, you know, fight, you know, he, he gets a ch challenge to a fight, to a comeback fight and decides to take it on. And then the whole, you know, next few episodes, you're wondering, is he going to do it? Is he going to screw it up? What's he going to do? And then the, it ends with that fight. So he knew that we knew it was going there, but in terms of the other characters and stuff, we had to kind of right. flesh that out. And the writing room was only probably four or five weeks long, maybe. So it was fairly quick. And then we had kind of um, it was after that that then I kind of came in and was able to reshape the the. So it was kind of organic, but yeah. it was it was initially broken with the room, but then rebroken. Right. Okay. After. Okay. And then um, uh, did you have your room in Newfoundland, or you had it here in Toronto, and then it was in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was going to ask you about the casting because uh, obviously you know the, Joel's starring in the show, and it's so much about you know. Uh, about his character, how did you um, fill out the rest of the show? And was the casting, what was the casting process like? Was it, uh, did you have people in mind when you were writing the first three episodes? It being a show so specifically set in Newfoundland, did you already know who you kind of imagined playing these roles? I don't think, is there anybody that we cast that we knew from the beginning was going to be it? I don't think so. Yeah, like we had initially thought Mary Walsh would play the mother. But um, but Mary Walsh always plays the mother, and then we thought when we had this character who you don't get to see in sec in episode two, uh, Tucker comes in episode three, but we wanted Tucker to be um, really like Tucker is a very tough, intimidating person, and it was based on a, a guy that was a was Joel's old um, landlord slash boss slumlord slash boss who was very very tough and um um we just didn't know who was an actor in newfoundland who could be tougher than mary walsh there's just nobody i don't know if you've ever seen her grab a a, a man and, and toss them around but she's like right. a beast <laughs> right 
So, um, so we got her, and so she plays this androgynous character that we we've always written it as a man because it was meant to be a man, but but she's playing it works so well yeah. as is. That's yep. great. That's a great story. Um, what was it like shooting in Newfoundland? I mean, it, what did it feel? Uh, you know, back to the roots, or did like it's, Newfoundland plays such a strong character? I find in, in the show without being like it's just it's done in a really cool way where this is the this is the backdrop and this is a real place. So how um, how did it feel to go and shoot it there? Did it? Well, it, it felt very natural for me because that's where as a director, it's the only place I've directed because okay. I, I I directed the first two episodes of. of this series the last two years so it, I, that that was natural and you know that's where we're from it we just know a lot of the crew so that felt really natural and yeah. good it's just it's very cool it's like so unapologetically what it is too and uh i just i love shows that are really placed in a in a real place you know and it's, it's you know like east coast canada does that really well and and british shows do that really well and it's just it it just it's very fresh to 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 watch a show like that um Okay, so is there uh, is there any? Oh, I, I read another interesting thing about you saying that at, at first you may be reticent about bringing like a, a male macho protagonist onto the screen, like right now. But that in actuality, you know, the character is so vulnerable and so complicated that that this kind of like in a way this seems to me actually quite timely and and like a really good character to portray right now. So do well, well, yeah, it was why, one of the reasons why we felt it was important to bring a, a female director on um, just because we wanted, we thought, well, let's look at that with a female lens and not just, you know, and, and, and really a female and me being the showrunner and looking at it from my point of view and from a female point of view. Right. Um, and I think, and we mostly had female directors. Um, second season, we only had female directors. Yeah, First season great. we had uh, John Batcher director one, but um it just was, you know, the environment that we and the, the relationships we made with the actor. And not to say that men can't do that or don't right, do that, right. but it, there could have easily been a tendency to focus on the macho quality of the show and right. the subject matter. Um, and, uh, you know, it, but we didn't go that way and we purposefully didn't just to yeah, no, and balance that it out. Really works. Um, yeah, so did you. Uh, um, casting, I asked you about casting. Um, and I asked you about Newfoundland, which I thought were both very interesting elements. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Well, I didn't really talk much more about casting uh, besides Mary Welsh, but but the casting was very interesting. Even like some of the Newfoundland characters, uh, like the we you know we found the brother um, who played by Steve Oates. We hadn't worked with him before. He was a real find. He really works. Did he come from theater? I think I read that he was a theater actor. Yeah, he he began in theater. Um, you know, we wanted when we were casting the sister again, we wanted what, what I realized when we were casting the sister is, oh, wow, all these kids are alphas. That's that's um, and, and so a lot of the women that we were getting to read for it, they they were not bringing the alpha to it, you know, and I thought, oh, they're going to be eaten. she that character needs to be as tough or tougher than the guys in terms of her, you know, presence and her, you know, demand of. Uh, of um anyway we um Catherine Isabel was just mm -hmm. like amazing and uh, f you know a real find for us and you know not in Newfoundland and from right. the whole other side of the country but um but she really worked right I think right. yeah um and um uh yeah did uh <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to think of what... I'm almost going to look at my questions now because I'm like, you, you're answering my questions so well that I can't even, like... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure everyone would be, like love to hear a little bit more about what it's like, um, the partnership, the creative partnership with Joel and how, you know, if you could speak a bit about how, um, how that works. Like, uh, it's so, you know... TV is so collaborative and it's so such a collaborative process, obviously, but it feels like, you know, you, you came in with the show that was so fully formed and you had worked on it so much. So was it just a real give and take between, you know, your sort of TV experience and this, this creation of Joel's, if you could speak a bit about that. 
Well, I mean, I've seen many, many times, I'm sure we've all seen and heard of it many times when, you know, you have a writer that's kind of starting out in, a, in the medium of TV in, and, and you have a showrunner kind of imposed on them or whatever. And I've seen it not work right. and we've seen it work, but where people's feelings get really hurt and it's a really, really, it's, it's hard thing to do. Um, and we were just really lucky because we worked together for, knew each other for such a long time. And he, and Joel is just such an incredible writer that, um, that I never felt like I, I was teaching him or anything, but he, you know, he really, and also I'm not intimidated by him, um, right. even though he tries to make himself intimidating. And so we were, and I know, and I was able to like, even in terms of, you know, I was able to push him, I think as an actor right. a lot more um, than if somebody didn't know him. I think right, right, right. I, I like sense. to credit myself as that, yeah. as the one who did that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of trust, obviously. Yeah, a lot of trust. Yeah. A lot yeah. of trust. And yeah. so it really, really worked out. It could not have worked out better in yeah. terms of that collaboration. Right. And what? Uh, how about when you were finally in production? Like, so how long uh, you, you were in development and then when you got the green light, you headed right into shooting. What What was your position and your show running position like once you were shooting? Were you uh, were the scripts really solid and you, you were focused on what was going on on set? Or were there, you know... How was the how was the process from from easing from development into production? I mean, most of smooth? our most of our um, writing issues that you know once we were in production were were adjusting to because we were it's a location based show right. um, mostly, so you know and then just adjusting for budget and adjusting for for locations and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And again, because I was directing the first two. Um, it was a, it was different. It wasn't a typical show running, or maybe it was typical. Like it wasn't. It just wasn't um, what I was used to. Because you know, right. it, it, even on Ricky Blue and Tassie w was running Ricky Blue, and then uh, th it was very much about the writing room. Right. Um, right. And there was other people that were managing the other, the other things. But right. with this, I you know, I just it, it wasn't like that. It was yeah. it was much more about the production. Yeah, sort of like a more intimate and mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's great. I wonder if we could maybe screen the episode now, just so we have a little bit more context of, uh, about little yeah. Bob, and maybe, no? d maybe I'll tell you what happens in episode one in a really quick way yeah. so that anybody who hasn't seen it. So episode one, we meet this, we see this guy in a, in a fight, um, a boxing fight where he walks out mid midway through the fight, just like leaves and is totally disgraced and then we pick up like five years later we see him in a bar and he's really down and out and he gets into a bar brawl and um and we see a kid filming that and then the next thing uh, we see is that he gets challenged by the guy who he walked out on uh, to have another fight and so the whole episode we see the family you know kind of picking at him and 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 um all kinds of other things happen to him but it, it's basically a question of whether or not he's going to take on this challenge and nobody thinks he can do it and he's you know not been working out for five years and um by the end of the episode he accepts the challenge and so then the next episode this episode you're about to watch is just sort of following following up on that Yeah, it's such a fun show to watch. So many surprises. It's it's great. And um, uh, as I was watching it, I was thinking about the fact that you know we talked a little bit about um, getting the tone right and uh, sort of really staying true to to Tommy's character in order to kind of like really maintain that real but funny. So I was just curious about the um, the creation of the ca the family, the dysfunctional family, and how you, uh, yeah, how did you create these characters, and and kind of how did what was their guiding principle in in the family's creation and the relationships? I mean, again, these these are characters out of Joel's um, mind and and his you know own sort of themes he likes to explore. Um, um, and for me, it was just helping follow through with that and you know what his initial impulse about who they were and how uh sort of relentless they were and um and yet funny 
And so I just, you know, help to encourage following through with that and staying true to that. And, and again, um, and I think th I, one of the reasons why I wanted to show this is because I feel like this episode, I, I feel really proud of the episode for how it did straddle tone um, and that you really feel sad for him. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I remember when Joel was writing it and I was like, oh no, I think you got to beat the shit out of that woman. Like I, by the end, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think it, it was, I, I wanted I wanted to take, I, I wanted to see yeah. us be a little bit surprising in it, right. but also I just felt like it was the worst possible thing for him to do and That's where it. we would feel terrible for him. And it, you so feel that you say, oh no, don't do it. You know, he's going to do it. And well, you don't know he's going to do it, but when he really like beats the crap out of her, you just, there is so much sympathy for him because this is so the wrong thing that he did, you know, it's, uh, and everything's so stacked against him. And I, I felt like, you know, the family one of the great things is they're so they're so horrible actually, but at the same time they there's there's obviously trust and love and loyalty going on to a certain extent. I mean the sister, but but it, at the end like they all sort of they're there for each other. So I wonder if if you can get away with a little like do you feel you can get away with the family kind of being more ho horrible to each other, knowing that at the at the end they're going to be there together. They're this like a boxing family. Like did that give you? I guess I don't really have a question about that more, more if you feel well, that, that I, I really dynamic. Feel, yeah. I really feel like, you know, Tommy's main reason why he's the outsider of his family is he doesn't feed into the mother's bullshit. Right. And so it puts him on the, whereas everyone else does to a certain degree right. in the family. And so, um, the, the, I really think that that was the 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 drive of the first episode of the first season mostly um was Tommy against his mother in some way and that um that you know the other siblings know how to stay in her good books and he just can't play along right, with that right he's the He's the bad, the bad son right the, yeah, and he yeah. doesn't want to be the bad son he just doesn't right. want to suck up to his mom right yeah. Um, what was, uh, so what was it like shooting this boxing series? I mean, uh, I, uh, obviously, you know, Joel's got some boxing background, but in terms of the writers and being in the writer's room, have you ever done anything like that before? Did you, did you know anything about boxing? I mean, I know this is more of an emotional story, but still there's the... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't know much about boxing at all, um, except for I was, a, I am a big fan of boxing movies. Um, you know, Joel knew a little bit more, but no, you know, and again, it was, you know, the shooting of it, we just relied on, on the stunt coordinator and the fight coordinator and, and, and all that to, um, and, and, and it doesn't have to be, luckily it didn't have to be like yeah. serious more of an artistic, yeah. creative take on it. Um, I had to look up what welterweight means. So it's in between lightweight and medium weight, right? Welterweight? It's not medium weight, though. What's it called? Or, okay. <laughs> right. So it's it's an in between. Yeah, it's so, smaller. Yeah, yeah it's, we are we're all we all know lightweight and heavyweight, That's but then it. there's all kinds of other classes. Right. Okay. Um, right. So um, and then uh, yeah, so it just I just find the tone so so great, so perfect that you that you, you guys achieved this tone. So is there anything, um, was there anything, uh, sort of when you assembled your writer's room and, and you, you know, you communicated that what the show was meant to be, were, were there any, um, sort of guiding principles in the writing room? Were there any, um, special sort of like a mantra or ethos that you went in with, with your writers to, to communicate that, that sort of, I mean, I, I, again, I don't think so, except for I really felt it was important that Tommy's pain and that his his um, that his pain was real and that his um, that his, you know, uh, desire to not be vulnerable, but his inability to hide it was it was really important that he was very vulnerable um, you know, one rule we had, we tried to not use Newfoundland colloquialisms as jokes. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we have them in there, but we tried to not use that as the punchline. Right. Yeah. Um, so that I think um, it, it's it's why I think in a, I think the film, the, 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 the series does feel like it's placed somewhere specific. But it 
we didn't want it to be um, leaning heavily on right on right. that. So yeah. that's yeah, not the point. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay, great. Um, I wonder if uh, if you unless you want to talk about something specific. I wonder if we could ask if anyone has specific questions that they want to they want to ask. Yes. Oh, wait a second. Actually, I was told that we need to take a mic, which would be better. Here one comes. Thank you. Hi there. Uh, I loved Maudie, and I, I really enjoyed that too. Uh, you put your characters through really, you put them through hell. Do you ever push it to, like, how do you know, is it ever too much? Do you ever have to pull back from the difficult, like, the really painful and tough situations you're putting them in? Like, did, did, do you ever push too far in that balance and have to pull back? I mean, I certainly think early days in my writing, like even the, like earlier things that I wrote, yeah, my tendency was to go overboard and and to be too bleak. I kind I kind of didn't, and I think that's very common when people are starting out. You you don't you don't, you don't really want to write um, happy things. You want to write, you know, but but I so I I try and find a balance where you take. I mean, th I think what we want to see is we want to see people. Um, triumph through pain and triumph for, through struggle. That's what stories are for, I think. So, you know, I don't, I don't really want to see characters always have it easy, because then what's the point? But great. Um, yeah, can we? Thank you. Mike's coming. Hey, how are you? Hey. This is a question for you and for Joel, actually, if you wanted to chime in as well. I was just wondering, in terms of having something that's come kind of fallen out of your head and then you sort of bring it to other people, how you sort of get over the having a third party kind of put their hand in your mix. How do you sort of walk that line between this is what my vision is and this is what someone else is trying to contribute and not kind of steamrolling past that, but then also not letting it kind of overwhelm what your vision was <coughs> as well. I would love to let Joel answer that if, if you would. Well, then I'll speak for him. <laughs> <laughs> Which... <laughs> What was the question? Just how, how did, you, in your own head, how did you get to a place where you were comfortable having someone else sort of mess around with what came out of your head in the first place? Um, I don't think it was messed with very much, you know. Right. Uh, and like Sherry was saying earlier, there was just a lot of trust between uh, me and her. And she she's quite often a middleman between me and somebody who might get in the way of right. my vision. So, and we had, we, you know... You often hear from the outside, uh, especially working with public broadcaster, and and that it's difficult, or you're giving away something, or you never quite get what your your original vision is. And uh, we didn't. That was just not our experience at all. Not that season. Not the first. Not first or second season. It's been really collaborative, and uh, never felt very much compromise at all. We even had. I think one episode with seven fucks in it. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, that yeah. is a feat. Yeah, that is a feat. Did I w so season two? Um, that that's a great question actually because I was going to ask if um, if there was a lot of uh, feedback or notes from CBC or if they let you. And it sounds like they really let you pursue your vision, which is which is great. Um, and. Um, before I get back to the Q and A, I just wanted to ask if for season two, which you've obviously done and. Uh, was there stuff from season one that, what kind of experience was it? Did you say, okay, well, that was great. We're going to do more of that. Or was there something new? Was there something you wanted to change when you went to season two? Or did, because it seems like such a solid vision. I can't imagine, uh, and, and it ends on such a great sort of cliffhanger. So going into season two, my question is going to season two. Were you, were you, did you have like a wish list or were you, were you just kind of on the train? I I mean we turned out to love 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 season two. I think that and again I'll speak for Joel. Um, I think that he felt he didn't have a strong sense of what season two should be. He had a really strong sense of season one, and it sort of is a finished story in some way. Um, so I think that to answer your question, in some ways he had to even more so give over uh, for season two, and and let me take the lead on what the story was going to be for season two. Like what was the overall story going to be and how to get that going and, and then come back in on it and kind of get in. So I think that 
and there was that was a little hard for you, I think, right? Because it was a different thing. And again, I think he comes from um, writing novels, or and and he's written features and stuff that has a definitive end. And so it was just, I think, a little bit of a a trust exercise. But I think that we second season, and it, it's not as as obvious of a of a season arc story right okay but it still has the boxing but it has it goes to a lot of weirder places right right yeah so great about a season two is it allows you to explore all these things um and 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 really go deeper with with everything so i'm really excited to see it um so does any i'll I'll go back to you guys now um yes oh sorry okay oh wait Sorry, I was just wondering, uh, Sherry, if uh, you had a favorite episode of Little Dog and um, what you liked so much about it, about making it or anything like that. Um, I think, well, definitely my ep- favorite episode um, has yet to air because my favorite episode is episode six of, of season two by far. It's my favorite. I wrote it. I wrote the episode and um, it's my favorite thing I've ever written. That when I, I So I'm very happy that. Please watch it. Um, of this season, I mean, I just loved, I just loved so much of it. Again, it was like, it was really, um, I, and this, I, I don't want to encourage everybody to, uh, to say, oh, go out and write, write a weird, tonally odd half hour. Cause nobody really wants to make them and not that many people want to watch them sadly, but there are us who do and, and who really, and it, if you ever do get the opportunity, it's just so amazing to, to just be able to be artful and weird and emotional and not have to sort of cater to a formula too much. So I, I really kind of love them all for that. Yes. Uh, wait, I think, I have I'm a, mic doing a very bad so. job of yeah. keeping right. track of who. Uh, so you guys went to CBC with it. Do you guys pitch anyone else before? And if you went to CBC first and just decided to go with that, is there a reason that you wanted it to be on CBC specifically? Um, well, uh, yeah, we didn't get to pitch it anywhere else. We went to CBC and it really felt, felt for me, I mean, there's really not that many uh, places in this country that support television in Newfoundland or in the East Coast. Nobody else makes it there, really. Um, very, you know, I, I think Frontier gets made in, in Newfoundland, but but they're pretending it's somewhere else. Um, so CBC is one is uh, you know they have a strong interest in telling stories from across the country, and I you know I felt like they would be supportive of it. And also, again, like there's nobody else who would make this show in this country. Um, there might be some sort of online places that would have made it for $5. Um, but, but we wanted to be able to try and do it with a little bit of a budget and, and they were, we were right. They really, you know, allowed us to make the show we wanted to make. Even for CBC, they really like, it seems like they took a lot of risks. Like they, Mm. they let go and, and, and trusted you Mm -hmm. to do it because it's true that CBC is the natural kind of choice, you know, fit, but at the same but time, but not the CBC audience that's necessarily. Right, that's right? right. So it's so that's the challenge. Yeah, and it airs at nine thirty, right? So it, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's later night, mm-hmm. um, but it's so interesting because, and also the reception to the show has been so great. People love it. Such, you know, critical acclaim and a lot of fans. So it, that kind of thing always makes me think. Well, maybe there's hope because I want to write weird. Artful we all do our yeah. comedies and and if cbc is willing to do that and then the reception is so good and you get another season as you as you have it kind of it it, it makes me wonder are the audiences changing and is cbc kind of loosening up like i mean i i don't feel you know it's even like because our, our numbers weren't huge on this show like not loads of people watch this is not like um um heartland or 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 uh, murdoch you know and and we need to be, um, when these shows get made in this country, we need to be loud and noisy about it because yeah. there is really, really hard to build an audience in this country for anything and certainly for anything that's on the edge. And yeah, people tend right. to, you know, but then, and I remember when, when uh, you know, when we were, it was on, I remember reading about Atlanta, the show, anybody watch Atlanta? Yeah. Like another one of those weird half hour comedies that that is amazing and is art and is really, everybody loves it, but nobody really watches. Like it doesn't get huge numbers at all. Yeah. But at least in the U S they have many, many places that 
people can go to, but here we only have a handful, right? That's right. That's why it's so important for CBC to keep doing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just, you know, there's only seven episodes in the first season. So there's also the question of, you know, like Murdoch Mysteries and Heartland, people know that show. And, and, and so, you know, you need time to build, you need time to build, build and, and, and hopefully CBC will just keep playing the show and and doing more seasons. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Any, does anyone else have any? Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I know you, you said you had a, a pilot script, but when you actually got in the room with the people from the CBC, when you were pitching them the show, I'd love to hear more about what you said, how you positioned this. I mean, honestly, you know, they had read the script before we pitched. Um, we said a lot of what we're saying now, like just that Joel and I were the perfect, you know, collaborative team um, that um knowing that Joel was, you know, an amazing actor for this kind of role and stuff. We, and, and we just talked about the tone of the show and what we wanted to make. We really, it was, it's been the same kind of story since, since we started working on it. And it, you know, again, it makes a difference when they have a script. If Joel didn't write a script, we would have had to do a lot more uh, explaining of what it was. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Actually, do you, um, when you're, when you're pitching shows, um, in your experience, having a, do you feel like having a script would always be the better way to get across what what your vision is without with less chance of that vision being sort of hampered with or I, I mean honestly, it feels like the, um, the, the like there was a couple of years ago where the pilots were the thing. Everybody was selling pilots. Now they're not selling pilots so much. They'll be selling pilots again in, the, in a year or two. Like the script. So I, I think it depends. If you want to write something weird, though, um, definitely write the script first. I think. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely been my experience. Um, did someone else have a, oh, a lot of people do? Who's next? Yeah. Um, hi there. Uh, nothing against Heartland or Murdoch, but thank goodness this show isn't <laughs> like those. Um, the scene where Tommy leaves the fight, quits the fight, um, I had read that that's based on an actual fight and almost shot exactly like how that fighter leaves his fight. Um, whose choice was that and, and why? Did you want to pay tribute to, to that fighter or to fighters in general? Or Well, it was when Joel showed me that it's the Andrew Galata was the fighter and he left to fight with Mike Tyson. He walked out mid fight. Um, and it was when Joel showed me that clip, you know, cause when he walked out, everybody just went mad throwing shit at him and somebody, and that's what's in, in our, somebody threw a slushy at him yeah. in real life. And we use that in, in little dog. Um, because that is when I, I immediately watched that and I go, what happened to him? Like, and that's when I leaned in, and I knew that that would be a um, a strong way in for this character because the a boxer, the the cowardly boxer, just you don't nobody who's a cowardly boxer. It, it doesn't work together. But so somebody walking out of a fight like that, it just feels like the worst thing you could do. And so th- that was sort of my little touchstone for who he was and where we were starting this guy. It's a great show. Thanks for this. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I have a question. I'm so curious as a showrunner, like what your biggest challenge was, especially hearing like the writing process seemed quite seamless. Um, so what was your challenge, especially as a showrunner? Hmm. I might be blanking. Maybe I had bad experiences and I'm not remembering. Maybe they were all great. <laughs> I'm sure I had bad experiences, Joel. When the decision was made for you to direct the first two episodes, your job as showrunner, why don't you talk about how your job as showrunner shifted then when you also became director on top of that and how important... I just had more power. (laughs) (laughs) Fusing those two jobs, though, you know. I mean, I like, again, I can't... I know this is not always the, the way it goes, Um. Did I cry at all once? At all? Did I? <laughs> About what? <laughs> I don't know. I cried too. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know you cried, but I'm trying to remember. Like, do you know, I think, and again, this is kind of getting into, I think that there was definitely some, um, I had, I found sometimes I had to be really assertive or more than assertive, um, as the showrunner with some of the crew and as the director showrunner, like that there was, you know, it, it was funny because we had a lot of women directors, but we had a lot of male crew who were used to working with men. And, um, and there was, I, I felt fresh. I remember feeling frustration sometimes of like, why is he deferring to the DP on this? And why is he, you know, certain things like that was happening. But, um, but I, I, I didn't really, you know, and, and I always say like the, my best training as a showrunner to showrun, but the best training experience I ever had, had was when I was chair of the board of, a, of an arts organization. And that's when I learned how to kind of, and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of what showrunning is. It's just about being a, a sort of leader and a manager and, and um, kind of facilitating and delegating. And so I, I felt really comfortable with it most of the time but definitely my frustrations were you know a little bit of the and again it might not have been because I was a woman but my mind goes there right whereas then the second season I had a DP a female DP and I was like my mind just never goes there Mm -hmm. we we don't have these issues like my issues with the first DP it may never have been gender I don't know but it was easy for me to to think that wow if I was a man would you listen better might have just been our dynamic but with then when I had Kristen, it was just beautiful and I never needed to worry about mm-hmm. that. So it was yeah, just a nice, so interesting. Yeah. 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 Did you ever talk to him about it? Like, did you bring it up with him or were you just like, oh, I noticed that it might be because of my gender. I'm just going to let it go. I never said it was because of my gender. I certainly talked to him about any issues we have and I never, I never, I didn't bring that into it, but, but I wonder that myself, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Someone was taking the mic. Yeah, it, 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 is somebody taking the mic? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so you mentioned sorry. You mentioned budget before, and I don't know if you maybe just give a vague figure, possibly for what you guys got from CBC per episode. Is that? I don't know what we got from CBC oh, itself, okay. but you know, I think the m- budgets were around a million an episode or cool. something. You know, I, don't, I don't exactly know, Sweet. but. We got money from Newfoundland government, right. and we got money from ITV was in it as a distributor and tax credits. And mm-hmm. but CBC, because they were on board from the beginning, they they took care of like did they mostly take care of the financing, or did you? No, that's yeah. the production. Yeah. The producers yeah, the production. put that together. Right. Yeah, okay, the producers. Sorry, right there, hmm. Cameron. Um, right. Does anyone else have a question? Yes. I'm curious about the process of getting the second season once just how that happened, what you had to do once it was greenlit for a second season. If you could talk about that a bit. I mean, we we felt that um, we got, you know, development fairly early in the second season. Uh, you know, I think even before we or shortly after we wrapped, we got development money. We felt that they were pretty behind giving it giving it a, sh- a shot, some, some time to grow. So, um we didn't have to do th- that much, you know, because they were, you know, and again, the process w- of working with them and we heard them and we always addressed their notes and they were, it was very much a collaboration with CBC. Um, so, you know, it, it just happened smoothly. It doesn't always happen like that, but it did. How long was your writing room for the second season? Because you mentioned having a sort of a shorter one the first one. Did you get any, any more perks, any like any longer writing room or... Any changes like that? No, season? we didn't. We didn't have a long. We, it was like four weeks, I think. But um, but I was in the room, right. and um, and no, it it went again fairly smoothly. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were continuing to rewrite through production. But what's your favorite um, aspect of show running? I just love. I just. I just love the the collaboration yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, and that I like then. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, um, mm-hmm. I've, I just feel like, um, I'm comfortable in that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so from the writing room to then the shoot, they're both, I mean, that's the thing with a showrunner, you're doing everything. So, well, you, and I don't yeah. think any two shows are ever run the same right. ever, ever. Right. And I remember I did that, the CFC, uh, showrunner 
training thing a number of years ago, and we talked to like 20 showrunners, I don't know how many, and no show, no two showrunners had the same story, had the same process, had the same rules. Like it just was always different, right, 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 and right. that's what's interesting about it. Right, yeah, absolutely. Did someone else have a question? A uh, highly speculative question. I have not uh, clearly. I've not seen the second season. Um, as creators, uh, given kind of like a, a fantasy situation, uh, are you looking forward to a third season and a fourth season? Is this the kind of idea that's gonna you have urge to just keep rolling with, or do you see kind of like a is there like an end point creatively to this kind of thing? I think there's definitely a third season in it. I, I think it's really hard when it's a half-hour serial drama about a boxer to imagine it going on for eight seasons. Like, you know, how many, how many boxing? I, I I'm not sure, but I don't. I would. I mean, if people wanted it, it, it could continue because, especially like in the second season, you'll see the characters, the other characters, start to take on such a life, and they start to drive story uh, separately from Tommy and boxing. So I mean, there's definitely I think the characters in the in the season two that or in in the show itself that could go on for a long time. But I'm not sure that we have seven seasons in it or anything. But definitely we'd love to do a third season. That's great. So would you happen to have any? Um, I mean, it sounds like this show really like a labor of love and really like inspired and a clear vision. So you didn't have a lot of the, maybe the hiccups that you would have in getting another show off the ground, but um, would you have any, I guess, advice for, you know, less experienced writers about how to bring a project to a network or I guess, um, yeah, what, what, what would you sort of arm yourself with if you were going to go to a network to pitch, to pitch a show in your, in your experience? What would be the best way to well, I think the get a show. I think having confidence in your ideas is really important. I think finding people that you can collaborate with and build relationships with before you wait before you have a show, like find way so that so you can go in with a strong team that you can give the confidence that that this is not a trial. This this will work. That this is a you know team. I think that that is what you know what I would. Do and the, what, what we were lucky, and again in Newfoundland, it was quite easy to do that because we were all doing that. That we were all working together. You had your team. Yeah, we yeah. all had our team. Yeah, you had your dream team. Yeah, yeah that's great. And, and how do you feel about, um, you know, so it sort of seems harder and harder to pitch original ideas now. Mm. That um, everybody wants something based on IP, and so in that climate, um, do you have any thoughts about you know pitching sort of more personal or more original um, ideas? to networks specifically, like how to get around that. <laughs> well, I think it's really important to find the seed. Everyone wants to know something is about something or saying something or exploring something. And I think that it's really important to, to identify what that is. And then um, if, it's, if it's a theme that you, like I, I have certain things that, that I, shows I wanted to write or whatever, and I more pitch the theme to my friends even that I, that I want to explore. I'm really interested in knowing this. And when you can see if somebody's light bulb goes off of like, oh yeah, that's a cool question or that's a cool, interesting thought. You just, right. you know, yeah, I think like that genuine that's a curiosity. Yeah. About something. Yeah. yeah. I mm -hmm. think that that's a really, especially with an original idea. Mm -hmm. It's not, it can't just be about, oh, the, the murder or, yeah, you know, it right. has to be about what you, you yourself right. are interested in bringing to it. And, and it's interesting because I, you hear a lot like, the sort of words change all the time, but it's, you know, you, when you go and pitch, you have to, uh, you know, what's your personal connection to that thing? And I always sort of feel like, well, when a writer writes something that's personal because it came from you and somehow is based on yourself and your experience, even if you didn't live that life as a boxer or as a whatever. But, um, but in terms of communicating that to like, you know, a network executive, how do, how do you feel about that personal, like, cause you could have a curiosity about something, right? But it may not have a personal direct connection in your own life so no and you, you don't want to be too personal necessarily you don't want to be like i was raped as a child and i want to explore rape like you don't yeah. want to yeah do that in your pitch but yeah um be pretty awkward i guess <laughs> <laughs> but um 
I th- again, I think it's it's making it a theme that's a unit. It's like I always say that the, the I remember there's people that wa- Walking Dead is a show that I loved for years or whatever. And I remember saying what I loved about it was that it was constantly asking the question of is it every man for himself or every person for themselves or is it rebuild a community at the end of the world? And that question was being asked over and over and over again. And I remember saying that to people and they were like, oh, yeah, that's such a good question. And then they went and watched the show because it's like if it's yeah. a question that we're interested in mm-hmm. in the answer to, we're going to want to watch it. Right. Right? right. And so if you can if you have a if you have a show or something you want to develop make sure that there's something you're exploring. A that's, a, that's a question we want to all explore. Yeah, the burning question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's so true. You think about all your favorite things that always really does come to that. And like, just bringing it back to little dog. I mean, it, the question can't, is a second chance like possible? Like, mm-hmm. you know, can, is redemption possible? Is it ever too late? We, like, yeah. 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 Think, How low does someone have to be? And then does a second chance even, does that work? You know? So, um, does anyone else have any other questions? As a boxer down on his luck who punches above his weight in terms of um, soul, I guess, to what extent is Little Dog a metaphor for Newfoundland? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we definitely talked about... One of the things we talked about in terms of the look of the show and how we wanted to shoot it as we talked about you know Newfoundland in 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 particular the Avalon Peninsula being a rock and um if you look at the trees in in on the Avalon the trees don't go the the roots don't go deep they go around and strangle so that they can hang on you know and and they're all kind of crooked or whatever and so we talked a lot about that mother being like the the rock of Newfoundland and that the family's roots couldn't go deep so they had to strangle and cling um so we certainly had had metaphors like that that we were looking at but i don't know that i don't know that we that it was intentional though i know that newfoundland is very much in joel in who he is and in his writing so it's easily there subconsciously yeah it's fascinating actually (laughs) um okay does anyone else have any questions? Question everybody out. Oh, yes. We have two T-shirts to give away. And I th- I'm not really sure how we're going to give them away, though. We, have, we can make up a test or some kind of uh, a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you guys could do that. Um, okay, who knows uh, the actress who played Scary Shane? Oh, I like this trivia. Okay, there you who go. said it first? He did. Okay, <laughs> that's one. Did we give? Do we give there's, two? Up? We give okay. two. So this, there's a man's. So he gets the man. What was the answer? Susan Kent. Susan Kent. She's from Twenty Two Minutes. Up She's one of my best friends. Want to come on up and get it? You want me to throw it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have a t-shirt cannon. Yeah, uh, yeah I wanted to point out, too, that myself and Susan play uh, boyfriend and girlfriend in another show. Very, very kinky, very kinky <laughs> stuff we get up to. And we, we What had, show is that? Uh, hatching, matching, and dispatching. And we just did the Christmas Fury Christmas movie. It's kicking around now. But so me and, me, me and Sue had a lot of fun, but it was very funny to uh, beat the shit out of her. But she gave me a real nasty beating, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have another, t- two more trivia. I think that's great. Trivia, okay. Um. Does anyone know who sang the last song <laughs> in the show? Okay, who knows who sang the second last song? Yes. <laughs> okay, she gets that. Come on up. <laughs> the last song was Emile Benoit. He was like a, a an old. He's dead now, but he's a fiddler, um, old guy, really old fiddler, and that was on his album. It's an amazing album. C'est la vie. Vive la rose. Um, an amazing album of of his 
fiddle tunes, but also a couple of songs where he sings. And he's like, he was like 90 or 80 when he was singing. So it's a beautiful album. Right. So, and so season two, January 17th, 9.30, CBC, watch it and, and get other people to watch it. And like we were talking about, if, you know, if other, if lots of people watch this show, then maybe CBC will keep on making. It's actually really awesome important like if you this. could follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and share. We're going to be starting a, a, a strong push. Uh, hashtag Little Dog TV on Instagram, I think, and all of the other things. Um, we're going to be trying to do a big push and try and, and get word out there. Because, yeah, we, if, we need to make sure that our numbers continue to grow so that we can get a third season. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much, Sherry. That Thank was you. Really great. Thank you. You've been listening to Writers Talking TV, presented by the Writers Guild of Canada. All the podcasts in this series can be found on the Writers Guild website, wgc.ca, and at iTunes. Thanks to the team at TIFF Bell Lightbox and to our technical producer, Philip Vukovic. I'm Leanne Sawatsky. Thanks for listening.